0: Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the heartbreaking tragedy of having red hair so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. Joining us to discuss this carroty Canadian classic are Marcel Cosman and Hannah McGregor, co hosts of Material Girls, a scholarly podcast about popular culture and, importantly, Canadians. Hello. Hello. Hello.
1: Let me just do a quick separate welcome so that uh, listeners can perhaps distinguish your voice if they're not already familiar with you. So, uh, hi, Hannah. Welcome.
2: Hi, I'm Hannah. This is my voice, and this is what it sounds like when I talk with my voice. <laughs> oh, I
3: It's perfect. Okay. And hello, Marcel. Hello. I'm Marcel. I have a different voice and this is it.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Perfect. And now it's four women talking and
2: it's just, it's such a powerful podcast energy. Totally. And if you can't tell the difference between our voices, that's on you.
1: Yeah. You're sexist.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow, The accusations start hot and early.
3: Just, Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm I'm channeling my fiery uh, inner Anne Shirley mm. energy mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the bat. Love it. Uh, I'll I'll repent in uh, five to ten minutes of podcast time. <laughs> but for now,
2: mm, furious. <laughs> for now, I'll uh, never forgive you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, okay. So welcome to Wars with Sellers. If this is your first episode listening, if you have stumbled across this and you are building up an Anne Shirley like temper at the very idea of. The phrase worst bestseller being paired with <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, fret not. Uh, we are a podcast that uh, talks about popular books that are often widely considered to be bad. Maybe they're not bad. Sometimes they're good. But also, specifically, this is Flashback Summer, where we set aside the the basic conceit of our podcast and more specifically just visit childhood nostalgia books um, and just... Kind of check in, see how they hold up, see if they're good, see if they're not good, see what memories they evoke for us. Uh, If you've been listening to us all summer and you're like, you've been doing a really long flashback summer this year. Yeah, deal with it. It's been a hard (laughs) summer. And we wanted to read this and we're doing it.
2: (laughs) I thought we were I thought we were doing Anne of Green Gables to talk about the sort of you know, historical derision of popular literature directed towards women, hence, hence worst. But no, we're just going to enjoy it.
1: Oh, I mean, you know, all (laughs) the above, for sure, for sure. Uh,
2: Enjoy a book? Mm -mm, Not on my watch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I was just gonna say I was so thrilled when you two suggested this, because this is truly one of my deepest, deepest childhood favorites. And one that is much less problematic i'll say like it's aged better than Mm. little house on the prairie which was another Mm. deep deep big love of mine in early childhood because i do i do just love a girl in a bonnet or a straw boater (laughs) hat like (laughs) love it there
2: it was this tweet that i really should figure out who tweeted it because it's really stuck with me but it was like you know, we've talked enough about horse girls. It's time to talk about bow girls.
4: Yeah, and I was like, "Oh
2: shit, it me." <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> um. Okay, and before we sorry before we dive too deep in, uh, this is also the part where we try to give content warnings. Um, content warning for, and also spoilers for death of a a parent like figure, a parent, mm-hmm.
4: um, yeah.
3: that I'm still sad about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had such a good cry last night. Oh man, I haven't cried like that in a little bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will say that for me, this is to start us off, uh I I had never read this before. <gasps> <gasps> this is it's not a staple of my childhood. It was not one that I had read before. I am familiar with the 1985 Canadian miniseries mm-hmm. and the Kevin watch- the Kevin Sullivan
3: adaptation.
0: Yes, and I did <laughs> uh, I did watch that. It was on Disney Free Weekend a lot when we would have mm-hmm. Disney Free Weekend. <laughs> So I I did always watch it on Disney Free Weekend and then um one of my former roommates is obsessed with it. It is like one of her favorite things. So I watched it quite a few times when we were living together including one time where um she had like a little and party which is significant because i am the party person like Mm -hmm. i am i usually will plan a party at the drop of a hat for anything and this particular friend is not even very much a party goer so when Uh -uh. she was like yeah like what if we had like a little party and we just did like anna green gables and like ate like little snacks and drank raspberry cordial and you know whatever and i was like Yes. (laughs) Incredible.
1: Uh, I'm I'm so furious that I didn't live in Boston yet when you guys did that. Yeah. Um, it was good. Let's do it again. Can I
2: I'm getting ahead of the plot here, but I had a real moment when I was rereading this time around about the Raspberry Cordial because I feel like Raspberry Cordial has become a sort of iconic food stuff associated with this book and yet mm-hmm. at no point in this book does anybody consume raspberry cordial it's this true. is a, this is a so great point left. Hannah at that party you should have had currant wine which sounds great Well, I will say that uh, we did
0: have raspberry cordial, but we did, as women in our 20s, put vodka in that raspberry cordial.
4: that's good. I'm so
3: relieved. I
4: was worried
3: for a minute that you wouldn't really have lived up to the true essence of of that scene. But it sounds like you
2: did. To really embrace it, you needed to put vodka in there, but then not tell the guests.
3: (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, so I, I I didn't. didn't have the background it never really occurred to me as a child to pick it up even though I like the miniseries and um I will say that as an adult who was not previously exposed to the text I found it delightful Mm -hmm. it was it was way funnier than I thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. I mean like the the miniseries is very is very good it's very amusing it's very charming it's very funny but for some reason I didn't expect the book to be as funny Mm -hmm. um But I I almost feel like the book is more funny, because we have this sort of unvarnished look into the minds of the adults Mm -hmm. reacting to Anne, in addition to, you know, getting to see Anne's escapades. (laughs) Uh, so, So this was, as an adult coming into this text for the first time, admittedly being familiar with the story, I... I think this is great and I would still recommend this to folks today like
4: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah it did you guys are so right it absolutely aged well I the last time I read this book I think I was in my mid-20s so it was probably about 15 years ago and I like I really remember very little of it from like I'm very familiar with the with the miniseries adaptation. I was obsessed with it as a youth. I continue to be obsessed with it as an adult. Um, And I was I was anticipating that this book would not hold up as well as it does. But I was quite surprised by the I will emphasize the word relative, but like relative lack of hateful language in the Mm -hmm. book overall, and, like, relative lack of uh, oppressive um, morals. (laughs) Not to say that they're not there. Despite Marilla's best
2: efforts.
4: (laughs) Oh, Lord. Poor Marilla. Yeah,
2: yeah. unless you're Catholic.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I want to talk so much more about like the historical context for this book, because I was really thinking about it during this read through. um, And like, what is, you know, part of why it's aged better than little house on the prairie is because little house on the prairie is describing colonization in action. Whereas yeah. this is set like significantly after the colonization of PEI. Um, And so we can have this, like, picturesque landscape in which only white people exist. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, is that historically inaccurate? Maybe not, because they did a genocide on that Mm -hmm. island. So, (laughs) I'm sorry, I made it less fun so fast. It was (laughs) impressively
3: fast, Hannah. It was really,
2: I think it might have even been a record for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was thinking about it, and particularly thinking about it in relation to how worried Everybody in Avonlea is about the arrival of a child from Nova Scotia Mm -hmm. and like, who's this kid from Nova Scotia going to be? Because amongst other things, Nova Scotia was famously at the time where Black loyalists settled. Oh, Mm. yeah, yeah. So there's like a significant black population in Nova Scotia and not a significant black population in PEI. So there are these sort of like traces of anxiety about like, who's coming to a quaint island? Mm. (laughs) Sorry, Marcel's mm was just like, why are you (laughs) like this?
3: (laughs) Absolutely not. I just had a mouthful of water at the time.
1: (laughs) Um, I I think this is actually a great perspective because uh, me and Kate are Americans and uh, by the way I didn't mention I grew up loving this book this whole series I had the whole box set and when I was youngest I really only like the first couple and I was bored when Anne got married and by the way spoilers <laughs> Same, Anne gets yeah. married yeah. Um, and then later books are about like her spoilers, kids yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I I won't say to who maybe it's Diana. Just kidding. Um, but she like when I was first encountering the books, I was bored by those, and then when I was a little bit older, I still had the box set and I went and revisited them, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are fascinating too. And now I'm really invested in Anne's entire family. And anyway, but I didn't have a lot of Canadian history context to the extent that. When I was in high school, I think AP European history class, and we were talking about World War One, and there was some offhanded mem- mention of Kitchener being the Prime Minister of Canada, my friend Elizabeth and I were both like, oh my god, that's that guy they were always talking about in Rilla of Ingleside. <laughs> because they never like call him his title, they're just like, uh, Kitchener, and I'm like, I do not know who that is. But now I do. <laughs> I so love- anyway... Please do feel free to drop some Canadian historical context on us because we don't get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love to drop some historical Canadian context. Marcel, do you know what premiere they're talking about when the premiere comes to visit? Because I I don't.
3: I do not. No, no, no. We're here to provide you only with some light context. (laughs) Very light. The lightest.
2: Anyway, I don't think Kitchener was um, was prime minister. I think he was like a like a oh major general or something. Yeah, okay. I don't
3: because because at the time. <laughs> sorry, so here's what I can tell you is that <laughs> so sorry. So I, I tried
1: to learn Canadian history and I failed. <laughs> no, no,
3: I mean I, the, there's there's a lot of it. It's a big it's a big country. And yeah. there's like a lot of a lot Somewhere of detail. so many
2: things happened. Yeah. So many
3: things. But also so like Kitchener, the so there is now a city called Kitchener in Ontario, which used oh. to be called Berlin, Berlin. and it, they renamed <laughs> <Uh-oh>. it <laughs> after <laughs> World War
2: One because they were like, well, that's a bad look.
3: <laughs> so it's not Berlin anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so that's wow. that's all I can tell you about Kitchener. Okay, fair enough. Guy. Well,
1: I can, I can tell you that in Rilla of Ingleside and son Walter enlists in World War One, and the family is like very anxiously following the war news. And so they're constantly talking about Kitchener without providing context that an that a American youth in the 1990s might require.
2: <laughs> can I tell you guys, I know we need to get into the plot, but can I tell you a Lucy Maud Montgomery story? Yeah, Please. Yes. So... So she was a a really interesting, complex author with a tendency to want to introduce sort of some darkness into her works in a way mm-hmm. that was often um, at odds with sort of her reputation as a popular children's writer. You really see that in in Emily of New Moon, her other series, mm-hmm. which are quite a lot darker than this. But she wrote a final book in the Anne series that. She died before it was published and the publishers were like, this is too weird and too (laughs) messy. We are not going to publish it. And it was only discovered in an archive by this, this Montgomery scholar, Ben Lefebvre, like maybe 10 years ago. And he pieced it back together from archival evidence because it is this like really weird experimental sort of series of vignettes from the perspective of, a bunch of other people who live in the same who live i think in in ingleside um it's called the blithes are quoted
4: mm. and it's like
2: a combination of poetry and like weird short stories um it includes all of this like dark as hell poetry that is written from the perspective of anne um grappling with uh the loss that she experiences in Rilla of Ingleside, which maybe I won't say in case people want to read these books and don't know, (laughs) but somebody dies. Um, Spoilers and gets (laughs) married and also more people die. And also more people die. Um, But it's so weird. And there it's like really a culmination of the, like her, her career long desire to like take these books that her publishers were pressuring her to make pleasant and give a positive moral and make them appropriately improving for the young girls who would be reading them and she's just like but what if they were metal as hell (laughs) like she's always (laughs) (laughs) trying to make them weirder which i just i love knowing that that like if there are moments in these books where you feel like that's kind of that's kind of a wild thing to include in here it's just like yeah she slipped it in there yeah
1: Oh my gosh, I'm I'm making a note to like that book up immediately after finishing this.
3: Yeah, shout out to Benjamin Lefevre for being the like eminent Anne of Green Gables, Lucy Maude Montgomery scholar in Canada for putting up with me yelling at him about how Kevin Sullivan, the director of the miniseries, understands Anne better than Lucy Maude Montgomery.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Marcel <laughs> famously
2: tender- loves to take credit away from women and give it to men instead. So. <laughs>
4: Uh-oh.
3: <laughs> oh. oh, man. But you know what? Maybe if Ellen Montgomery's publisher had let her put the dark shit in, she would have had a more well-rounded yeah. Anne than Kevin Sullivan did. You
4: know? I don't know.
2: I think the, the popularity of Anne with an E also suggests that, like, good readers of this text recognize that there's a lot of dark subtext in it mm-hmm. yeah and on that note what happens
1: <laughs> i still haven't seen any filmed version i have heard the sh- i've heard it's all good but i'm just like i love the books end of list um <laughs> which is weird i don't usually have like an anti-movie take where i'm like oh the purity of the books but this is just like so like wired to my brain. I don't know.
3: Yeah. I think sometimes things are too precious. Yeah, and like and with an E, people either really loved it or they were really upset about it. And I haven't seen it. I feel like I would probably love it. That's my that's my guess. Um but sometimes there's something that's really sometimes books from our childhoods are, you know, really precious to us even if we don't even if we want to expand our horizons a little bit you know
2: yeah yeah yeah. and sometimes nostalgia leads people to be resistant to um (laughs) visiting texts otherwise Mm -hmm. which I think we see every once in a while when a Montgomery scholar say writes a paper about the (laughs) queer subtexts of (laughs) Anne and (laughs) Diana's friendship Um, Mm. which i i suspect that we four as readers all felt that those subtexts were basically text but when the first scholar (laughs) presented the first paper being like is this a bit queer it was national news in canada wow
1: my um what year was that i don't know
2: Marcel, do you have okay. a sense i feel like it was like 20 years ago like not it, that long ago
3: it was it was re- so so what i have i don't have that exact i don't have that one i have the i have helen hoy's theory about or or i have helen hoy's interpretation of Anne as having fetal alcohol syndrome um disorder oh. uh and so there is a mclean's article from Maclean's 2010 mclean's is our, like
2: Magazine of our news magazine of record.
3: It's, yeah, uh, it's like I've heard of it from Anne of Green Gables. Okay. <laughs> <with the stars>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a little bit, as all things Canadian, it's like it's like a little bit too conservative to be wholesome.
4: <laughs> oh, wow. <no. laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Yeah, that's it. That's the one.
3: That's the one. Uh, so the title of this article, which is a which is about Helen's article, uh, about Anne, about rereading Anne through this lens, the title of the article, sorry, I'm saying article so many times, let me start over. (laughs) The title (laughs) of the McLean's article, which is responding to Helen Hoy's interpretation of Anne as perhaps having fetal alcohol syndrome, uh, The title of it is called "Leave Anne Alone!" (laughs) Exclamation mark.
4: Wow! So that is how
3: people feel about interpretation. (laughs) Can I? I Oh boy! Can I? Can I read? Can I? Oh, I found it. Okay. Can I? Okay. Sorry. So the. So the the um the, the. Okay, can I just read you guys the opening line? Please. No. Okay. Yes. As if the red haired orphan hadn't already endured enough, Anne Shirley <laughs> of Anne of Green Gables has been <laughs> criticized for being an inconsistent feminist role model and for harboring lesbian urges. A- <gasps> harboring lesbian urges! A claim made in 2000 by Laura Robinson, a professor of the Royal Military College. But these allegations pale next to Helen Hoy's new claim, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Oh, i first oh, of all,
1: I'm I am complimenting her for having lesbian urges. One thousand percent. Personally.
3: Like who uh who so, doesn't second all, like, all, I yeah. want to say
1: <laughs> Leave <laughs> Anne Shirley alone is is valid criticism, but only when you're giving it to Mrs. Rachel Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: true so true
1: um speaking of that's my segue into the plot of the book because chapter one is entitled mrs rachel lind is surprised
2: (laughs) what a perfect way to open a book just being like listen there is a lady in this town and she sees
3: everything (laughs) she sees everything oh totally and the way that she like dissects what could possibly be happening like she Rachel Lynn would be an excellent archival scholar because of the way that she's able to like piece together what could not be happening. Like we know. So Matthew's in his best suit. He's Mm -hmm. got the horse Mm -hmm. and buggy, but Mm -hmm. we know he's going, we know that it's not uh, a medical emergency. emergency. Yeah. Because he's going slowly. It's not this day. It's not this day. Yeah that's
1: such a generous thing to say she could be um an archivist because my take is (laughs) mrs rachel lind would slay a next door mrs rachel lind would (laughs) she would have a true crime podcast uh, (laughs) or or at the very least she would listen to a bunch of them and like Mm. send in her theories like Mm -hmm. that's who mrs rachel lind is Mm -hmm. um but yeah
2: but also deeply religious also so, deeply religious. so religious and so like you know I, it will ruin it will ruin the pleasure of mrs rachel lind to think about what her contemporary politics on next door would be Oof. um mm-hmm. but i think mm-hmm. we all c- can guess <laughs>
0: what does of- anyone <laughs> on next door have admirable politics
3: <laughs> <laughs> i feel like having the app is itself an admission Of shitty politics, right? Yeah, right.
1: My my dad got Netflix because, or not Netflix. My dad Um, has Netflix.
3: You have (laughs) Netflix.
2: That means you have (laughs) shitty politics.
1: (laughs) Get ready, Uh, everybody.
2: It's time for some hot (laughs)
1: takes. My dad has Netflix, but only so he can watch Anne with an E on it. Oh, (laughs) very cute. (laughs) Uh, And he got next door because his neighbor told him to, but then he didn't understand it. And then I guess anytime it gave him a push notification, my dad thought it was talking to him personally. And he was oh like furious no. about it. And he was like, We're not all these Nextdoor people are like telling me about the traffic. And I can't make it stop. And I was like, they're not telling you. And then, and then I just deleted the app for him. And so I guess that was the one person on Nextdoor with reasonable
2: politics. And he hated it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs>
2: Um, It's it's such a good way to come into the story, though, because it immediately lets us understand that the Cuthberts are outsiders, even though we're going to spend most Mm -hmm. of our time Mm
4: -hmm. with them
2: as our protagonists inside their home. Like, Miss Rachel Lind is sort of the social and political and ideological center of the community. And so Mm -hmm. we get her first so we can see, like, Matthew's a bit weird, you know Um, the house is built a bit let's just say queer yeah one might say say if one was choosing a word one might say queer
4: (laughs) if one was choosing
0: multiple definitions of the same word (laughs) one might say queer
2: one might (laughs) yeah and that detail about like the house is built further back from the road than any of the the other Mr. Custer
1: senior was also queer and didn't yeah, a little queer. Didn't like his house. Didn't like the neighbors to be out there telling his business to next door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Rachel Lind is surprised because Matthew's off to town. Uh, he has gone to pick up an orphan from the orphan store. He's gone mm-hmm, to get an orphan mm-hmm. like you do.
4: Well, yeah. he uh-huh.
0: asks he had asked or his sister and he had asked someone else to pick up an orphan at the orphan store for them, which was their first mistake is because they also didn't ask this person in particular. They played a little bit of orphan telephone. They, and played they did. Orphan they phone
2: tag.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and we're like, true. Hey, can you tell this other person who's getting an orphan that we also want an orphan?
3: And that's why they ended up with a purple monkey dishwasher.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. Yes. um which but yeah this it really does seem like there should be at least a small paper trail to adopt a literal child but there wasn't Mm-mm. and uh yeah matthew by the way he lives with his sister marilla if you like kate have not experienced these before so matthew and marilla they live together they're they're queer adult siblings and they have decided to acquire a nice boy orphan to work on the farm
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're they're older too. We know that Matthew's in his sixties. Mm-hmm. We don't know how old Marilla is. I don't know if we know if she's the which one's the older sibling either. But they're both they're both older, mm-hmm. and they are getting this orphan for free labor. Yes.
3: yes. Yeah. Well. Y- yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's it's why people prov- had him kids. like to provide him a farm. good Christian upbringing. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. They in, in very...
3: exchange for the good Christian upbringing, the child would provide labor. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's and we find all this out because Mrs. Rachel Lind goes over to the Cuthbert house to be like, "Hey, so <laughs> it, no reason for me dropping by, just cash, super yeah, cash. Just, just tell me all your business." Yeah, but I noticed. Uh, Matthew, go to town in the buggy with his best suit on. What's up? And uh, Marilla explains like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we were like, oh, we, we, it's hard to take care of the farm on our own. We're getting up there in years. And some other folks were getting orphans. And we were like, well, what if we also got an orphan to help us with the farm?
4: Yeah. Two for one
0: deal. Yeah. You know, just. Just for, for funsies, get a, a strong boy orphan to help us with the farm. And Miss Rachel Lynn immediately lists all of the ways orphans might kill her entire family and mm-hmm. burn down the house and poison the ruin well. All of Avonlea because you don't, you just don't know where these Nova Scotia orphans are, are coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and really central to that orphan fear is this sense of like, um, children of good breeding, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot throughout this book, this sense of like, oh, everybody in that family is like that. Like, oh, you know, the pie family, they're just mm. all awful. Like, everybody who's mm-hmm. a yeah. pie is awful. Um, yeah. And so there is this like, well, you know what you're getting when you get a pie or a lind um, or a berry, but an orphan Uh, they could be anything they could come from a murder murdering family absolutely
1: (laughs) absolutely um and so as as we know matthew arrives at the orphan depot and waiting for him is a girl and matthew is so shy he you know has social anxiety obviously they do not use that word they use the word queer often to describe him, though um and shy Mm -hmm. and so he gets there. He sees a girl on the bench, and he's like, "Well, that's not for me because I ordered a boy." And then he goes stuck to, to the trace He like circles around to see if there's any solution to this problem without having to talk to someone, which is relatable. And then finally, so he, like, relatable. talks to the train ticket agent or whatever, and is like, "Oh yeah, no, that's your orphan, that girl." And he's like, "But I asked for a boy." And the agent's like, "Well, that's your girl. Bye."
4: Okay. And then
1: so he he goes and decides like well i can't just like leave this girl here even though Anne Anne is so delightful and she will speak in like full page long monologues again if you haven't read this book like please do yourself a treat <laughs> and just check it out yeah so, it really like, is oh like you you weren't you were late to come so i would just was like thinking out how beautiful this cherry tree is and i was like well i could just sleep in the cherry tree and then i could imagine that i was like <laughs> a fairy in the tree and like just like launches in this monologue and matthew's like um well i don't know about that but i guess let's go and here's a quote that I pulled, and again, not to keep uh hammering home old-fashioned language that now reads differently, but Anne's talking so much that Matthew's quote getting a little dizzy. He felt as he had once felt in his rash youth when another boy had enticed him on the merry-go-round at a picnic. And I know <laughs> they just mean he didn't want to get on the merry-go-round and another boy convinced him to do it, but what if another boy enticed him? on the Mm. Mm merry-go-round
4: um
1: but also i i do also agree i don't remember which of you um hannah put in the notes that matthew is an ace icon and i do think that's more likely but he was at one point enticed by a boy Mm
4: -hmm. and now he's
1: got this (laughs) this talkative girl orphan and he is dizzy and he's gonna go home and let marilla solve his problems which is
0: a common strategy for matthew
2: Oh, yeah. Matthew loves to just not solve a problem.
0: (laughs) Uh, Anne talks the entire way back, almost the entire way back to Green Gables from the train station about literally everything she sees. She starts renaming uh, lakes and forests and like literally everything. Chats his ear off. And as Renata said, like Matthew is not only shy, but he is particularly shy Around women and girls. And Mm -hmm. he was kind of terrified of this whole drive home and like being alone with this girl. But she just, he finds it weirdly charming that she just talks the whole time. Mm -hmm. And like already by the time he gets home, realizes he's going to be very upset having to take her back to the train station the next day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. obviously he and Marilla aren't going to keep her. And, uh, he brings her home and Marilla immediately is like, this is a girl. This is what <laughs> <girl> we ordered. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is the return and- policy on
1: orphans? Yeah, Marilla wants to speak to the manager of orphans.
4: Mm-hmm. Marilla
2: literally takes Anne to see the manager of orphans the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, this is no good. You're coming with me so that we can have a conversation in front of you about mm-hmm. how we don't want you. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's... and. Matthew, by the end of the night, is very, like, they break the news to Anne that they didn't want her, and uh, they're gonna probably take her back, and Matthew already is like, no, I think we should keep her, even though he doesn't necessarily come out and say it, it is very clear to Marilla that that is what he wants, but she won't let herself be swayed by Anne's charm yet, and does take her Uh, The next day to see the woman who they had put the order in by proxy Mm -hmm. for the orphan, too. And she's just like, oh, they they didn't say you wanted a boy. So we just got this girl. It's fine. And but I know someone else who might want an orphan. So I'm going to call them over and, you know, they can they can maybe take her off your hands and everything will be fine. And yeah, she's like, let me just post this orphan on Facebook Marketplace. And
2: <laughs> I mean, this is one of the most agonizing parts of the book is that at this oof. point, Anne has told Marilla her background. And we know yeah. that Anne's only been at the orphanage for a few months because mm-hmm. her whole life that she remembers prior to that, she's been functionally an indentured servant. Like mm-hmm. she's been working... For other families taking care of their children. Um, and she's got a couple of passing references to like, she never learned to pray because she's always just like collapsed into bed from exhaustion at the end mm-hmm. of the night because she's raising people's like three sets of twins. Mm-hmm. Like, she's 11. That's wild. And when the other woman, Mrs. Peter Blewett, is like, oh yeah, I got some babies, I got some terrible babies. You can take care of my terrible babies. They scream constantly.
1: Yeah. And Marilla's like, I wouldn't give a dog I cared about to Mrs. Peter Blewett. So she's like, Oh, never mind. I didn't say we didn't want Anne. I was just sort of wondering what might happen if we said we didn't want Anne, but we do. So good day. Goodbye. And <laughs> she takes Anne home. But uh, here's another quote I pulled that just like fully breaks my heart. When Anne's like giving her little backstory to Marilla, and Marilla's like, Well, did they treat you well? Or were they kind to you? And Anne says, oh, they meant to be. I know they meant to be just as good and kind as possible. <laughs>
4: like, mm-hmm. This mm-hmm.
1: this freakish little optimist. Like, oh, I just leave her alone.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, don't leave her alone. Actually, take care of her because she's a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, even more than leave Anne alone. Like, somebody feed Anne yeah yeah yeah
3: <laughs> so they
0: do they do end up deciding to keep Anne, and she does begin to worm her way into their hearts. The majority of the book, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot more of the particular incidents that happen, but similar to a few of these flashback summer ones we've done this year, the book is kind of like a loosely tied together series of experiences over Anne's first three years living. Uh, at Green Gables, uh, you know her schooling, mm. her interactions with other kids and adults uh, in the town, uh, her how she grows and matures, some of her like wild incidents and trouble that she gets into, and each it it really does lend itself. It's like very episodic and lends itself well mm-hmm. to a sort of like television adaptation Mm. like the mini series because it's just like oh this chapter is about as we were referring earlier you know she invites her bff over for tea and Mm -hmm. marilla tells her she can have some of the raspberry cordial to serve with tea that's in the pantry and and goes into the pantry and she doesn't see the raspberry cordial on the shelf that Marilla said, but on a different shelf, she sees a different bottle of red liquid and is like, oh, this must be what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Except it turns out it's current wine. And instead, <laughs> she gets her best friend drunk. <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, Marilla realizes that she put the raspberry cordial in the basement and Mm -hmm. Anne is temporarily barred from seeing her Mm. best bosom friend, the person she loves most in the world. And it's devastating. And she needs to take to her bed in hysterics because she's so upset over what has happened.
4: My God. Mm -hmm. That's
2: so much dramatic crying. I love it. Yes. Yeah. By so the way, thank
0: much. you, Kate. the The
1: first time you referred to Diana merely as best friend, I was a little offended because they are bosom friends. And yes, that's yeah. of and kindred great. spirits. Kindred spirits. Kindred spirits. Bosom yeah. friends. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. And 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 they have lesbian undertones. Do whoa, you know whoa, why? Do, I? No. <laughs> do you
3: know? I th- Leave her alone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you know why the books written like this?
3: No. Tell me why. <laughs>
2: because at the time, it was really, really common for novels to be published first as um, uh, oh, serialized, serialized. Yes, mm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Montgomery, I actually don't think. I think the book came out first, and then was also serialized after the fact. But that's how Mon- Montgomery would have learned how to write. Like that's that's mm. the the novel form of the time is very much designed to be broken into. Magazine excerpts, because that's how most people found the stuff that they read. That makes sense.
1: That makes fascinating. By the way, the first time that Anne meets Diana again, I really don't want to keep harping on the the number of times they use the word queer in this book because I know the meaning has evolved. However, the first time Diana meets Anne, she says, "You're a queer girl, Anne." I heard before that you were queer, but I believe I'm going to like you real well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm.
1: yep, you are, mm-hmm. Diana.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Which is, I, there's a lot of, throughout all of this, there's a lot of queer subtext about multiple characters, including, like we said, Matthew and Anne and Diana. And for me, kind of the cherry on top of all of the, the many interactions between Anne and Diana that you can read as queer is the point where... Anne works herself up into a depressed tizzy over the idea that one day Diana will marry a man <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right. and she will no longer be this giant part of Diana's life anymore. And while she knows like that's what's going to happen and she knows she'll be the maid of honor and she'll wear a beautiful dress, she's also just devastated mm-hmm. over the idea of losing Diana one day to a man who she will marry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And
2: when Anne has fantasies about her and Diana, they are almost always involve Anne dying tragically and Diana remembering her forever. Yes. Yum. Which Yum. is gay. Yes.
3: <laughs> is, is that is that gay, Hannah? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's gay. <laughs> can, can I interject and talk a little bit about Marilla at this point? Yeah. Please. One of the things that really um that really delighted me on this reread. So I have um I have I have children. <laughs> they talk. <laughs> one of them talks a lot because I have children. <laughs> you, they talk you better, talk. You better talk train more. them out of that. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the things that I did not remember about Marilla as a character is like she I, I did remember that she was very strict, but mm-hmm. I did not remember how good she is at um at understanding why Anne does some of the things that she does mm. and and accepting Anne's side. Like I really the only time when Marilla doesn't believe Anne is when the is when her brooch goes missing and there's mm-hmm. no other uh, immediately visible explanation for why the, the brooch would go missing, and even in that in that stretch where Marilla is trying to understand why Anne would lie, but stealing the brooch when there's no reason for her to lie and there's no like evidence that she is a liar, like like Marilla throughout this entire novel is so like she's so willing to believe Anne. At, mm-hmm. Like and and to believe the best in Anne. So like learning that that Anne got Diana drunk. At no point was Marilla like, "You did it on purpose." Immediately mm-hmm. she was like, "Of course you wouldn't have had either." Okay, this is my fault because I made a mistake and. This is what happened. And also, can we talk about how greedy your daughter is, Mrs. Barry? Because three <laughs> tumblers of current wine is a lot. <laughs> anyway, I just really, just really want to give Marilla her, her, her necessary praise for, although being extremely strict, <laughs> also just like doing a bang up job. Of, yeah. uh, of defending Anne's integrity as a person.
1: Yeah. Well, and like the, the Mrs. Rachel Lynn's of society are like, oh Marilla's an old maid she doesn't have any parenting experience she doesn't know what she's doing but okay. I think that ends up being to her credit because she sort of has to invent a new way to parent Anne yeah. because mm-hmm. Anne is such a such an intense little freak and, <laughs> and I say this <laughs> lovingly as someone who like relates intensely to Anne but mm-hmm. like in some ways like I do feel like Marilla does a better job respecting Anne's like capital B big feelings mm-hmm. than like mm-hmm. my educated 90s parents did <laughs>
3: Uh (laughs)
4: uh-huh yeah yeah
2: Yeah, i mean there's also i like that neither marilla nor rachel lind are totally right like that Mm -hmm. we get sort of a multiplicity a multiplicity of adults in Anne's life none of whom have like totally nailed parenting and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know marilla is in a lot of ways right like she refuses to beat Anne when, mm, Mrs. Uh-huh. when she's rude to Mrs. Lind. But then also <laughs> later on, when Mrs. Lynde makes the fancy dress for mm. Anne, because Marilla insists on dressing Anne in a very like modest fashion so that she isn't dressed like the other little girls. And Rachel's like, listen, she's like made up some rules in her head, and she doesn't understand that like every kid needs to be parented a little bit differently. And like, I think this is something that Anne needs, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. Matthew in his words, sticks his or in from time to time. Uh and (laughs) Recognizes that like, that wouldn't have been a great way to raise Anne entirely. You can't just give her everything she wants, but like, Mm -hmm. also it's okay that she got a little spoiled. Like there's kind of, I don't know. I feel like you can kind of tell
3: this book was written by a parent. Mm Hmm. somebody who's, like, trying to figure out, I don't know, somebody who's trying to juggle multiple different ways of, like, <laughs> uh, responding to the endless needs of children. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, it's and just so... kind of trying to figure it out. Because mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, I love to, Anna's just so fucking weird.
4: She's yeah. so
0: weird. weird. And I love that. Like, cause I'm weird and she's weird in a way. A lot of kids are weird, but mm-hmm. like also in her own like unique, totally bonkers way. <laughs> and I deeply adore that. And like you were saying, like none of the adult, like some of the adults are like, oh my God, that little Ann girl, she never shuts up and shit like that. You know, even mm-hmm. even Marilla's like you got to learn to talk less. Like tr- truly you need to talk less. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> it's whole she's pages. like We're running out of book. Yeah.
1: She's like, talk less, smile more.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there, there is so much, like, no one... M- Marilla and Matthew in particular, like, they don't really try to stifle her. Like, they kind of tell her off lightly for being so weird. But they also kind of embrace that as well. Like, and to the Mm -hmm. point where even Marilla starts to miss it as she gets older. And as you know, children do as they get older, stops having so many like quote unquote, childish interests and starts acting more like a proper girl. And, you know, Merle actually misses her, like, weird stories that she and her friends would write, and their, like, (laughs) adventures that they would go on and things like Mm -hmm. that. Like, they seem to deeply appreciate Anne's weirdness Mm -hmm. in their own way. And they never... It's not – this could very easily, I feel, have been a book about, like, a, a so. very headstrong little girl overcoming adversity and to be herself in a world that is trying to stifle her creativity and change who she is. But people don't really try. She just gets to be fucking weird. And she changes the world. They're being weird. <laughs> oh, she
1: sure does. I, I, just, uh, I but just returning to – sorry, real quick. I pulled this yeah. quote that I think is so important to – me and also <laughs> bigger okay so early on Kate, i think you mentioned how funny this book was and how funny the adults reacting to Anne were in a way that when i was a kid reading this i really was oblivious to this extra layer of humor because i was just like I'm I'm with Anne. Like Anne is speaking truth. Uh, like the the narrative the narrative voice is so like dry mm-hmm. in a way that there's humor where you're just like yeah, of, like obviously Anne is right, and it is gonna suck when your best friend gets married and leaves you, and like da, da 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 like all this is awful, and Anne is correct. And then so later on when Marilla is saying you know Anne like you don't talk so much anymore, and I sort of miss it, and Anne says oh, it's nicer to think dear pretty thoughts and keep them in one's heart like treasures. I don't like to have them laughed at or wondered over. Mm. And I think that was sort of a lesson that I personally internalized pretty young when I was like, because I I was a kid with big feelings, big imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I, where we lived, it was pretty rural. And so I did spend a lot of time just like wandering around by the creek and developing like, uh, you know, little miniature societies um, on my own and with my brother in mm-hmm. a way that was deeply weird. And that uh, if I told my parents, they were like, "That's hilarious." So then I was like, "Okay, I got to stop telling my parents because this is not funny. It's serious." Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And it
1: took and longer, I think, to learn that. But it's tr- it is true. It's not nice to have them laughed at.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, something that really, um, really kind of surprised me on this on this reread is that. People don't interrupt Anne. Um, Yeah. And like, like Marilla absolutely scolds Anne constantly for how much she talks, but she never interrupts her. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's significant, you know, like, I'm not like Marilla definitely trains Anne not to talk. (laughs) <laughs> that's like a big that's like a big part of her uh I mean one of the pro- I wonder if we if we control F'd hold your tongue. Um, <laughs> how many times it would it would come up in the in the book. And so like it makes sense to me that at the end Marilla's kind of like, I miss, I miss how much you talked because she I mean, presumably Marilla doesn't know how else to um uh Respond to Anne, other than constantly mm-hmm. kind of scolding and berating her, but she doesn't interrupt her. Nobody interrupts her, and I and I like mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Can I correct
2: a previous thing that I that I said, but that I Whoa. do think is in keeping with us? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Correction. I said that this book felt like it was written by a parent. She mm-hmm. wasn't a parent at this time. What mm-hmm. she was was a teacher. <laughs>
3: ah. This yeah. okay, yeah. so that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of there's a lot I can't remember the name of the first teacher, the bad teacher, the one oh, who the bad like, teacher, but God, she's Mr. got specific
2: pedagogical Phillips. points about that guy, huh?
3: She sure does. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. What? Mr. Phillips? Phillips, I think. Yeah. Phillips. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. Um, and and Miss Stacy is so clearly like like what a good teacher should be,
4: mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I
3: and like a lot of those, a lot of those. Sorry, not to like harp too much on interpreting Anne as having ADHD, but like Anne definitely mm. like reads to me so much as having mm-hmm. some form of of ADHD. Um, yeah, but like Miss Stacy introduces to the class going outside and exercising and running around yeah. and like oh outdoor how, education how um, remarkable that all of a sudden the children are able to concentrate better when they have opportunities to move their bodies mm-hmm. <laughs> turns which, out, which, which still, Marilla thinks is nonsense yeah exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. It just, it makes me think of the, like, exercise bikes that um, they have in elementary schools to, like, for the kids who just, like, need to move. They need to move their bodies. Get on the exercise bike, my child. (laughs) Go for a run. There are a few more things that I want to
0: touch on before we move on. We, like I said, like the, it's a very mm-hmm. yeah, episodic. There's some, plot. there's some
1: real key shit we haven't even addressed yet.
0: Yes, but keeping <laughs> an eye on the time, of course. Um, there are a couple things that I, I, we should address, and one of them is so, so Anne. Not long after moving in, when she moves in. With Merla and Matthew, uh, school is just about to be on break. So they're like, it doesn't make sense to send you to school now. Uh, mm-hmm. They do eventually send her to school. And the first three weeks of school are fucking awesome. She's like, this is great. I love school. I love learning. I feel really smart. Like, I'm a little bit behind the other kids, but I'm catching up fast. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, the girls there like me. And it's fantastic. And then Gilbert Blythe comes back from... Uh, visiting his cousins far away from Avonlea and comes back to school. And literally his first day there, he calls her carrots because of her hair mm-hmm. and she breaks her slate over his head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. No. And has, and has a temper and we see it and she boils over usually quickly. Um, We previously saw her furious at Mrs. Rachel Lynn for commenting meanly on her red hair. And mm-hmm. then, marilla did make her apologize and uh they kind of patched things over but Anne can hold a grudge like no one else which is iconic and
2: inspirational yeah Um, she is mad at him for this for like four years yes Yes. oh
4: totally (laughs)
2: she holds this grudge through the entirety of her childhood it's so powerful and i
1: want to say that to me as a child who loved this book and who loved disney's little mermaid with near equal intensity. I <laughs> was really bewildered why she hated her red hair so much because I was like, it's so beautiful. I would like to have red hair. What's wrong with you? But Anne didn't have any redheaded mermaid role models. And that's why representation matters. <laughs> but, but not so in the true. shitty way where people were saying that to be like, we shouldn't have black Ariel. That's also <laughs> important. Both aerials are important.
2: That's all. Right. Black people can have red hair so true that yeah 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 so many the world contains multitudes this for me comes back to that like i am fascinated by the ongoing um sort of genuine disdain towards redheaded people in british culture that like there is actually still quite a lot of like ginger stigma um Mm -hmm. and i have Like read a bunch about it because I find it really fascinating and part of it is absolutely anti-Catholic sentiment because um, redheads are more common in Ireland and Mm -hmm. Scotland and those are Catholic enclaves in the United Kingdom
4: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: but part of it is also the fact that because red hair is uh, recessive um, sometimes kids would be born with red hair that did not seem to be related to their families Oh,
4: interesting. and so right like you would you'd have like two
2: brunette parents would have a kid with red hair and then it would be like where the fuck did this kid come from mm-hmm. um and so they were linked with like stories of like changelings so hmm. like and like it just marks her as weird as a like an outsider and that she doesn't want to be a weird outsider she wants to you know, when she's young, she
1: wants to have, wants to have beautiful raven black hair, like yeah. her her bosom friend Diana has,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, who's so beautiful and so perfect and has elbow dimples, the other <laughs> ideal of femininity.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, Gilbert, uh, Gilbert inadvertently initiates a very long grudge against One feud. <laughs>
0: As as they continue their schooling, Gilbert and Anne quickly emerge as the two top people in the class and are constantly vying for being the top of each subject mm-hmm. and then for being the top of the school when they graduate and then for being the top of their entrance exams. And then once they get to college being the top of their Sorry, it's
1: it's not high, it's not college. It's like prep
0: school. Yeah, like-, like Yeah. Teaching, teaching academy, like, teachers, teachers college. Yeah, it's like a teachers
2: yeah. college. It's it's an academy. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: yeah. yeah.
1: she does, she does go to college later, and it's
2: different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you, you know, point once out they're... that Gilbert's three years older than her. Oh. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he Just, got know. held back or something because of like farm business or he something. He Got held back
2: because he was in Alberta too much. There you go. His
3: dad, his dad was sick. <laughs> they had to go to Alberta because his dad was sick and so he spent too much yeah. time there and there are no educational institutions in Alberta as everybody knows.
2: Marcel works at an educational institution in Alberta. That's what the group
3: <laughs> is. Sometimes too.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so they're they're constantly rivals, educational rivals and at one point um before they go off to their teachers academy Gilbert tries to bury the hatchet and Anne refuses. And mm-hmm. even at the time he, she He tries to bury the hatchet by saving her from a dramatic boat accident like, yeah, from when they
2: were doing like poetry aloud. Yeah. she's like, yeah, yeah. She, she's like I so would literally rather drown than forgive you. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh my god. Even
0: at the time she's like I I don't know why I didn't forgive him. Like, I kind of do want to be his friend, but I refuse. And then, like, once they get away, like, they they go to this academy outside of Avonlea. And, you know, they don't know as many people there. And she's like, God, I wish we had been friends. But now it's too late because I have made my uh, declaration about his character. And I'm mm-hmm. going to stick with it. And we will be enemies for life because
3: I have decided it. And, like, she has so much pride, which I really, Mm -hmm. really, uh, I really relate to. And, like, if she changes her mind about him now, that means that she would have to admit that he was okay all along. And she can't, because then she would have been wrong all that time. It's impossible.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. so mm-hmm.
3: sympathetic. I'm so deeply <laughs> oh, sympathetic. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Once an asshole, always an asshole. I have. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I have. I have this thing. I insist that like I have been wrong about people being nice before, but I've never been wrong about someone being an asshole. Like, like if I think somebody's an asshole, they are, and they always mm-hmm. will be. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I. <laughs> I love watching her learn how to be wrong about people like, and learning how to, God, there's a great moment later on where she's talking to Marilla about, you know, how she's been working on being a better person um, and not having such a temper. And she's like, most of the time I feel like it's not that hard to be good, but when I'm with, mrs rachel lind and she tells me to do something every part of me wants to immediately do the exact opposite of what she's telling me to do does that mean that i'm a terrible person and Marilla's like well if you're a terrible person i am too
3: <laughs> somebody should have told me mrs rachel lind that nagging doesn't help <laughs> it's great yeah uh,
0: there's another another really interesting the one the bit that stuck with me from the television series more than any of the others that was also replicated in the book and when it started happening I was like yes I remember this mm-hmm. is at one point um there all of the adults in the area more or less are going to see a politician speak um uh, in like the closest city the premiere mm-hmm. I don't know what that means but like a governor? Yeah.
2: For America. Yeah, who's the who's the head of states for you guys? Who runs a governor? State? Yes. Oh, governor. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Premier's Premier runs the province. So same. Excellent.
0: So there all the adults are going to see this premier speak, and a lot of the kids are left to like mind younger kids and such. And uh one of the babies Minnie
3: Mae. Minnie, May. A, Minnie, Minnie May. May
0: is gets very sick and and having a lot of experience taking <gasps> care of babies from her youth
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as a, a indentured servant nanny for other <laughs> families where she grew up is like, oh, no, I know how to save this baby because it's like it's late getting the doctor like they're not yeah. sure what to do. So she like gives the baby Ipecac. And that was the first place I had ever heard of Ipecac before. Same. and.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> It, like, stuck in my head and, like, you know, giving the baby Ipecac and, like, you know, putting it, like, near, like, steam and trying to keep it warm and helping it cough up all of the gunk and everything um, saves the baby's life. And previously, as – after the uh, raspberry cordial drunken incident, Diana's mother had refused to let her see Anne anymore. Mm -hmm. But after this heroic moment where Anne is able to save this baby – uh, her mother's like, I was wrong. Like, you should go see Anne and you two can be friends again. And Anne's a good person. And mm-hmm. it is it is a moment of vindication
3: for Anne.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. yeah it oh, it by really the way, what you is. do
3: is save a baby's life. That's <laughs> all <laughs> any
2: of us have to do to save our reputation. <laughs> if somebody thinks you're an asshole, just save their infant daughter's life.
1: Yeah. And you know who would not have been able to pass this test is Trixie Belden. Trixie Belden out here with inaccurate first aid information. That is true. Uh, Sorry, Trixie wait. Belden, what,
4: Who's that?
1: Who? Oh, just, just, this is a, this is a callback for our listeners who have listened to our Trixie Belden episode. Um, Trixie Belden is a book series heroine from like the, I already forgot, the 50s.
0: I think like earlier a, than that, like twenties, right? I don't think twenties, forties.
1: American, I'm like, never heard of her. She's American. She's she was like competitive with Nancy Drew, but Nancy Drew mm.
2: won. Oh, oh yeah, I know these. I know these books. Okay, guys, I'm really sorry. Can I do another Canadian corner? Yes,
1: please. By do, the way, do, I just do, want to do, say do. first, Trixie Belden premiered in 1948.
2: Yes, Caitlin. I was about to say that. Mm-hmm. I was about to apologize mm-hmm. and say you were correct. Important. Uh,
1: and she doesn't know what you're supposed to do at a snake bite. Anyway.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Anne would know what to do with a snake bite for sure. Exactly. So sure. Cut your arm, arm right off. Um, Ooh. I have looked up who the premier is that they went to see speak.
4: So mm-hmm. Marcel, tell yes. me.
2: A uh, major Canadian politician in the uh, 1870s. Oh. Um. Fuck. No, no, okay. no. Get ready. Get ready. Fake okay. okay. He was a conservative. Uh-huh. He was a famously good speaker, and he had a very ugly nose. Sir John A. Yes, <laughs> was it really?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Okay, so Sir John A. Macdonald was the first Prime Minister of Canada. Oh, that's and so he that was funny. like a raging alcoholic, and so he yeah. had that like that nose that like lifelong alcoholics have. Oh. you know like what i mean like he been hitting
1: the the raspberry cordial pretty
3: hard huh yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure for sure <laughs>
2: yeah. um and i'm allowed to make fun of him because he was a terrible man um
3: <laughs> yes absolutely but uh
2: yeah yeah anyway that was canadian corner <laughs> oh, <that's so> <sighs> we appreciate it <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, but like largely it's just we see Anne grow. We see I like the thing that to me was the most heartwarming of all of it was seeing the relationship between Matthew and Anne flourish. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Because
0: right from the start, you know, when he's got her in the cart coming back to the house after picking her up from the train station, he immediately, like, falls for her and is like, I can't send this little girl back. Like, I already care about her. Mm -hmm. And then, like, over time, Marilla makes it very clear to him, if we keep her, I'm the one raising her. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the one who gets to, like, have a say. And from the start, he even though he technically isn't supposed to have a say, he starts swaying Marilla one way or the other. He'll
4: Mm -hmm. start doing
0: things for Anne. Mm -hmm. And then by, by the end, he just doesn't care what Marilla says anymore. He buys her gifts. He spoils her. He like adores her. He tells her, you know, she's going to place first in her class and tells her that she's not only going to do a great job at her recitation at a concert, but they're going to call for an encore because she's so mm-hmm. great at it. Like he just adores her so much, mm-hmm. and it yeah. just- president of the president of the Anne fan club for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's so obviously something she needs in her life. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, she needs Marilla. She needs structure and discipline and, like, the security that comes for little kids of having somebody who's like, you have been bad, go to your room. Because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, important (laughs) too. But she also needs somebody who's just like, the sun shines out of your ass. Like, Mm -hmm. you can do no wrong. Everything you do is perfect. You're Mm -hmm. a genius. Like, that Mm -hmm. is so good for her. And like yes.
3: Marilla's, when Marilla says, I'm the one who's raising her, don't put your ore in where it's not needed. Like she's not wrong. Like Matthew would never in this society, Matthew would never be raising her as an equal parent. And so I think like, to start out with, like, listen, Matthew, it's going to be my responsibility to raise her, so you need to let me do it, is so reasonable in in this, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, they they would not have been co-parents, is what I'm yeah. saying. Um, yeah. Well, and, and
1: even yeah. if they were, it's, like, kind of not cool to be like, oh, well, mom said no, so I'm going to ask dad or whatever.
4: Yeah, or like, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh um, God. That scene, that scene where Matthew sees Anne with the other little girls, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Poor, his poor brain is like something wrong. Can't <laughs> compute. Must smoke pipe for two hours. What? Very hard about it. Sleeves, sleeves it's different. Sleeves. <laughs> yes. It took him two hours to figure out sleeves different. But yeah. God damn, if he didn't put in the time. Oh, he tried. Oh my and, gosh,
1: and that is this it's, is so huge. It's Anne such charming. Puff sleeves, yes, and and Matthew figures this out, but she asks Marilla because Marilla is the woman. Marilla is in charge of clothes, and Anne keeps being right. like, please, "Please, can I have puff sleeves?" and marilla's like they're silly blah 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 and and
2: literally just a waste of fabric i mean they you know, are literally
3: fabric. like we're are these are not rich people <laughs> yeah knows? she says that in those sleeves there's enough material to make a waist. oh yeah waist. i don't know quite what a waist means but it's obviously something <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can tell but you Anne- it's bigger than an arm <laughs> yes but
1: and um Here's another iconic end quote: "I'd rather look ridiculous when everyone else does than plain and sensible all by myself." Mm-hmm. Yes, that is such correct self knowledge for an eleven year old. Yes, mm-hmm. he would. Um, and then, so Matthew, my uh, social anxiety king, he decides mm-hmm. he's going to go and get, uh, <laughs> and he's going to figure out how to get Anna a puff sleeve dress for Christmas. Totally. And as as has been mentioned, he's nervous, especially about talking to any women. So he like maps it out and is like, I know a store where uh, the ol- only men work. I know and a I'm store gonna- where
2: no women are allowed.
1: <laughs> yeah. And He's like, I'm gonna go there, but then and he's then surprised. There's a woman.
2: There's a and she woman.
1: Has bracelets. Yes. And he cannot function, and he panic buys 20 pounds of brown sugar rather than ask for the dress that he wants to buy. Oh my And then God. he gets home, and Marilla's like, "You idiot! Like we only use brown sugar to feed." the servant boy like what are you talking
2: about i've got i have this mental image of matthew constantly like um like rolling out of a doorway like ducking and rolling out of a doorway or like throwing himself out of an open window and he like presents Marilla with this brown sugar and she's like what am i supposed to do and he's like i don't know make a bite god gone (laughs) uh
1: yes but then mrs rachel lind uh earns her place in the narrative and uh helps helps get and the correct dress for christmas Mm -hmm. and she is so beautiful and so stunned and then so we're we're really boosting matthew up because matthew's so great and then guess what remember when i said content warning for death of a parental Mm -hmm. figure well it's fucking matthew
4: yeah, get yeah. ready for
2: the chapter title, Chapter 37 The Reaper Whose Name is Death. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, oh, can't love Montgomery. What oh. <laughs> <Good> bitch.
2: So,
0: <laughs> Anne, as we said, she comes out. She goes to Teachers College. She does so well that she wins this very competitive, prestigious scholarship for university. She's so excited. You know, she's so excited to go home and tell Matthew in particular, who was so sure she was going to win it. And,. She gets to tell mm-hmm. him and they're all very excited. And Marilla confides in her that Matthew's heart has been bothering him recently. And then not long after Anne comes home before, you know, after teacher's college, before figuring out how she's going to, you know, what her university experience is going to be. Um, Matthew comes in from the fields one day and and standing on the porch has a heart attack. And, like, literally dies in front of Anne and Marilla. Mm-hmm. And they he has just... a heart
2: attack because he reads in the newspaper oh, yeah. that the bank where all of their savings are has just gone out of business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he realizes that they are financially ruined and has a heart attack and dies. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
3: really a solid example of him not being able to solve problems and throwing himself out of a window. <laughs> Oh no.
4: <laughs> Yeah,
1: he, he was afraid that the other bank might have a woman working
2: at it. So yeah.
3: <laughs> because, because Marilla tells us that she's been talking to him about taking their money out of that bank for a, a little bit now. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, I'm going to smoke my pipe and think about it. <clears throat> <clears throat> and he takes yeah. too long. And so he doesn't know how to solve the problem so he dies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what he leaves behind is two women who loved him very much and who have like some sense of their own value as human beings because despite being embedded in a patriarchal culture they had a man in their life who valued them. That's and so true. they yeah. they figure it oh. out, you know?
3: Who valued yeah. them and allowed them to make decisions except for where except to keep Except for that their one money. really
2: important one. That, <laughs> that one, one really important yeah. one about the bank.
3: But it's okay yeah. because it killed him.
2: Oh, God. And then Marilla finds <sighs> out she's been having headaches and her vision's been getting oh. bad. And she goes to a fancy eye doctor. And he's like, you have to immediately cease using your eyes for
3: anything or you'll be blind within the year. <laughs> And so she's you like, can't. No oops. crying and no reading. And she's like, "Well, what is the point of living?"
2: Yeah, and no, no crying. You know, my two because- Yeah, <laughs> no no, <laughs> reading, no crying, no reading. Um, Rachel
3: Lynn's gonna have to make all of Anne's dresses now. Oh
0: fuck. <laughs> So yeah. between this and the money and not having anyone to work the farm anymore, Marilla and knowing that Anne is set to go off to university, Marilla's like, I'm going to have to sell green Gables." And Anne's like, no, yeah. I actually figured this out. I was waiting for a mm. good time to bring it up. But after Matthew died, I kind of came to a conclusion, I made a whole plan and I made a whole mm-hmm. plan. And Anne has decided that Matthew, uh, Matthew Gilbert Blythe has been promised the school teacher job in Avonlea, but Anne is pretty sure she can get the school teacher job in a neighboring town. And she's going to take that and she's going to defer university and she's going to take some university courses from home. And she's going to keep living on green Gables and read to Marilla and help keep the farm running and like do all the things that need to be done around the house and be there to like be companionship for Marilla and then, you know, teach during the day during the week and it'll be great. And Marilla is like, I, I could never ask this of you, but since you seem like willing to do it, like I know that I I accept, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy that this mm-hmm. has worked out. And then Anne gets a surprise, which is that Gilbert Blythe has essentially heard about what was going on, and even though he was already chosen to be the new school teacher in Avonlea, he has given it up with the stipulation that it go to Anne instead. After mm-hmm. you know, knowing what happened to Matthew. And that he's going to take the other teaching job. And because job.
1: because now that Matthew is dead, Gilbert, as former vice president of the Anne fan club, has to assume his role as president.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 So he does. He immediately steps into his important role and does his duty, which is bend over backwards for Anne. Correct. Yes, mm-hmm. Of
0: course. And he, once Anne finds this out, he bumps into her and they have a long talk and agree to be friends And not Mm -hmm. rivals anymore. And Anne's like, friends, that's what I would like with this boy. And, and is like, and, okay. No, Gilbert says, we
1: are going to be the best of friends. We were born to be good friends, Anne. You've thwarted destiny
2: enough. These <laughs> bitches are so dramatic, and I love them. Yes. <laughs> what I want to talk about is the fact that Anne is going to become the teacher in Avonlea, and Diana is going back to school. So who has written the gay fic? Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Ooh.
3: I'm about sure it's out that. there. Hot for teacher. Hot for
0: Positive. teacher. Positive someone has done that.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Um, yeah, but so that's that's more or less the book. Um, you know, there's a lot of very cute things that we didn't cover just because we had to talk so much about how we liked it. But, I'm yeah. sorry because we
2: had to talk so much about Johnny McDonald.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you haven't read this it it is a charming fun read as an adult Mm -hmm.
3: and i think worth your time can i make a suggestion because i find like i remember excuse me i remember being younger and trying to read it and finding Anne's very long ramblings to be a little bit much read and I would often have to skip them and I'm sorry that makes me a bad person obviously I'm a misogynist at heart however (laughs)
2: silencing women
3: I (laughs) I'm doing the opposite of silencing women I listened to it on audiobook and made sure that I found one with a reader who I who was like good at doing the different voices because sometimes you know the person who reads the book they need to be good at it um and it was a delight. And I remember being like, wow, I could never have read this entire chunk of text where Anne's just talking and saying nothing. But it's very different to have somebody read it to you. So if you're interested in the book but don't think you can read it, the audi- there are multiple audiobook versions.
2: You know what? I read some of those monologues out loud to myself because well, they feel so much like like you need to hear the like breathless pace of them to like mm-hmm. really get what it's like to just have this like this kid just be like mouth open and every thought that's come into my head is going to come out of my mouth right now. Totally. Well,
1: this is a perfect segue into our dramatic reading segment oh, good. where um, so Kate and I are going to kick it off with a, a truly iconic. I know every moment in this book is iconic, but this one is so iconic. They named the Netflix series after it mm-hmm. and um, that my that my dad watches on his next door account and uh, <laughs> I, I will read for Anne and Kate will read for Marilla
0: in this Well, well, there's no need to cry so about it.
4: Yes, there is need.
1: You would cry too if you were an orphan and had come to a place you thought was going to be home and found that they didn't want you because you weren't a boy. Oh,
0: this is the most
1: tragical thing that ever happened to me.
0: Something like a reluctant smile, rather rusty from long disuse, mellowed Marilla's grim expression. Well, don't cry anymore. We're not going to turn you out. We're not going to turn you out of doors tonight. You'll have to stay here until we investigate this affair. What's your name?
1: (laughs) The child hesitated for a moment. Will you please call
0: me Cordelia? Call you Cordelia? Is that your name? no it's not exactly
3: my
1: name but i would love to be called cordelia it's such a perfectly
0: elegant name i don't know what on earth you mean if cordelia isn't your name what is
1: Anne Shirley, but oh please do call me cordelia it can't matter much to you what you call me if i'm only going to be here a little while can it <laughs> and Anne is such an unromantic name
0: Unromantic fiddlesticks. Anne is a real good, plain, sensible name. You've no need to be ashamed of it.
1: Oh, I'm not ashamed of it, only I like Cordelia better. I've always imagined that my name was Cordelia. At least, I always have of late years. When I was young, I used to imagine it was Geraldine, but I like Cordelia better now. But if you call me Anne, please call me Anne spelled with an E. What difference does it make how it's spelled? Oh, it makes such a difference. It looks so much nicer. When you hear a name pronounced, can't you always see it in your mind, just as if it was printed out? I can, and A-N-N looks dreadful, but A-N-N-E looks so much more distinguished. If you'll only call me Ann spelled with an E, I shall try to reconcile myself to not being called Cordelia.
0: Very well, then, Anne spelled with an E. Can you tell us how this mistake came to be made? We sent word to Mrs. Spencer to bring us a boy. Were there no boys at the asylum?
1: Oh, yes, there was an abundance of them. But Mrs. Spencer said distinctly that you wanted a girl about 11 years old. And the matron said she thought I would do. You don't know how delighted I was. I couldn't sleep all last night for joy. (sighs) (sighs) Poor Anne. yeah, we'll we'll stop there for now. But, <laughs> and also, she is so right about the name Anne. It's way better with the E. Way better with an E.
2: And then the terrible teacher, Mister Phillips, spells her name wrong on the board, oh, which is part of her refusal to go to school for months and months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she sticks to her guns. Okay, I I have also selected a passage for reading, and this comes way later this is in chapter 25 um this is in the chapter about the writing club that Anne starts with her friends where she is teaching them all how to write the kinds of tragical short stories that she is interested in writing and she's trying to convince marilla that despite being um somewhat overblown uh that these stories still have a a moral and aesthetic value him him Him, but we're so careful to put a moral into them all, Marilla explained. Anne, I insist upon that. All the good people are rewarded, and all the bad ones are suitably punished. I'm sure there must have—I'm sure that must have a wholesome effect. The moral is the great thing. Mister. Allen says so. I read one of my stories to him and Mrs. Allen—that's the the Reverend and his wife—to him and Mrs. Allen, and they both agreed that the moral was excellent. Only they laughed in the wrong places. I like it better when people cry. Jane and Ruby almost always cry when I come to the pathetic parts. Diana wrote her Aunt Josephine about our club, and her Aunt Josephine wrote back that we were to send her some of our stories. So we copied out four of our very best and sent them. Miss Josephine Barry wrote back that she had never read anything so amusing in her life. That kind of puzzled us because the stories were all very pathetic and almost everybody died. But I'm glad Miss Barry liked them. It shows our club is doing some good in the world. Mrs. <laughs> Allen says that ought to be our object in everything. I do really try to make it my object, but I forget so often when I'm having fun. I hope I shall be a little like Mrs. Allen when I grow up. Do you think there is any prospect of it, Marilla? I shouldn't say there was a great deal was Marilla's encouraging answer.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like love, love Marilla. Perfect fact. Oh, no. no notes.
3: No notes. <laughs> okay. So my selection comes from the penultimate chapter. This is the, or sorry, anti penultimate chapter. How many chapters? This? <laughs> Thank uh, you. There's 30, yeah, 38. 38. Okay. So it's the yeah, anti penultimate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just before the <laughs> Reaper called death. Just before. <laughs> All right. So this is Anne talking to Matthew. If I'd been the boy you sent for, said Anne wistfully, I'd be able to help you so much now and spare you in a hundred ways. I could find it in my heart to wish I had been just for that. Well, now, I'd rather have you than a dozen boys, Anne, said Matthew, patting her hand. Just you mind that, rather than a dozen boys. Well, now, I guess it wasn't a boy that took the Avery scholarship, was it? It was a girl. My girl. My girl that I'm proud of. He smiled He smiled his shy smile at her as he went into the yard. Anne took the memory of it with her when she went to her room that night and sat for a long while at her open window, thinking of the past and dreaming of the future. Outside the Snow Queen was mistily white in the moonshine. The frogs were singing in the marsh beyond orchard slope. Anne always remembered the silvery, peaceful beauty and fragrant calm of that night. It was the last night before sorrow touched her life, and no life is ever quite the same again, when once that cold, sanctifying touch has been laid upon it. (sighs) (sighs) Anyway, so, that's fun. every,
2: Every time either Matthew or Marilla say or think of Anne as... My girl. Mm. I I die of a thousand
3: deaths. (laughs) (laughs) So I was obsessed with adoption as a child, like, because this was the ideal to me. This was like, this was, Mm. this was what this was. This book was evidence for me that you could be the, you could love someone that you didn't, like, make out of your own DNA <laughs> with the same intensity. And I, like, I, I still, I still believe it in in my core because of this book.
1: All right, let's move on now to Reader's Advisory, where we will suggest some books to read uh, instead of or in addition to Anne of Green Gables. And again, if it's not clear, strong recommend this is an in addition to book. You gotta read Anne of Green Gables if you haven't. <laughs> Just treat yourself, Hannah and Marcel. Would you like to start us off with some of your favorite Canadian reads, perhaps? <laughs> oh yes,
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I'm going to start by saying that if you read this and you're like, I would love to read more um, early 20th century Canadian fiction in which school teachers feature significantly, uh, as do lesbian undertones. That's what Mm -hmm. you were thinking. Mm -hmm. You should read Wild Geese by Martha Stenso, which was published in 1925. So, you know, about 20 years after Anne of Green Gables. um, And it's about a school teacher who comes to a very small prairie town and becomes mm, erotically fascinated with the daughter of a farmer in the town. Mm. Um, Don't worry. All the women end up with men because, because it's 1925. But, Um, They sure do brush each other's hair first. (laughs) (laughs) So Wild Geese by Martha Ostenso, real fun. Um, And then I'm also going to say, if you want to read some YA that um, doesn't uh, sort of strategically erase... The presence of Indigenous people. Um, check out *Firekeeper's Daughter* by Angeline Bully, which is mm. a wonderful contemporary Indigenous YA novel.
3: It's phenomenal. I loved it. Uh, I'm going to recommend *When We Lost Our Heads* by Heather O'Neill, which is similar. Wow, it. Is it good? It's so good. It's very. Ugh. It's like. It's like if Anne and Diana were truly. Wicked. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just the wickedest children. Um, yeah, it's also Canadian. It's it's uh Heather O'Neill's most recent novel, I think. And so it's from like, I don't know, 2022. Um, but it takes place in Anglophone, Montreal, in I think the late 19th century, so around the same time as Anne of Green Gables, but it's like these two um I'll leave it at it's like if Anne and Diana were truly evil, um, but it's wonderful. Uh, and the other book that I would recommend is if you are also interested in like narratives about uh like ch- not not chosen family but but um, building families out of uh, a system that um, marginalizes adopted children. Um, the House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ oh Klune is it's so phenomenal. good.
2: It's so good. And it's good. a beautiful queer found yeah. family adoption love story. Yeah. Really yeah, gay. I, textually I, gay. Not subtextually.
3: Textually gay. Yes. As is when we lost our heads. Textually gay. Uh-huh. Both of them. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm gonna throw a couple out and then uh, just a reminder we do post the full list on worstbestsellers.com so check that out for more great books. But uh, another book that was really important to me as like a... A dreamy kid who liked to sit outside and think a lot was, of course, uh, The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Mm-hmm. And I, on this podcast before, I have given shout outs to other members of the Classics Remix series. And there is an upcoming remix called Into the Bright Open by Sherry DeMaline, who is another. Um, I think she's Canadian First Nations author but she might be American. Anyway, she's, she's an indigenous she's, author. She's Th- she's Canadian. You. She's you know. Yeah. There you go. Yes. So, well that she has transplanted a secret garden into Canada and uh made it queer, made the the house staff metis and like inc- included that community in a way that's uh, very compelling and uh, it just it has a lot of what i like about the original but now it's now it's gay and canadian so <laughs> what could be better
2: yeah truly gay and canadian uh. my two fa- my two favorite things <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: yeah so again check out worstbestsellers.com for the full list of readalikes because there's so many and now we'll move on to our favorite game the rock paper snicked where of course, this is a common party game that you are surely familiar with. Hannah and Marsala is the game uh-huh. where one one person says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if you were in this book, which is Kate, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if you were in this book. And you can choose which most enhances the book, or you can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
4: Mm,
3: okay.
0: okay. Uh, well, as this book is already just pretty perfect as it is. Uh, The one thing that I would do to add The Rock is I would uh, take Mr. Phillips, the teacher at the beginning Mm. of the book, out of the book and replace him instead with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who would be acting as the teacher for Anne and Diana and Gilbert and all of the other kids in Avonlea. He would be a much better teacher than Mr. Phillips. Mm -hmm. He would not Mm -hmm. just be trying to sleep with the hot girl in the class And would instead be his inspiring self to all of the students at the school and be a beloved figure uh, and earn the respect and admiration of Anne and all of her friends and compatriots before tragically having to move on at the end of the year uh, to service (laughs) another town and spread his wisdom and delight to another small Canadian town, still leaving room for Miss Stacy to come in and... Uh, you know, add that inspiration that that pushes Anne to become a teacher.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's head back to Nova Scotia, which is where he's from. <laughs> guys, did you know the rocks from Nova Scotia?
4: <laughs> no, I didn't. guys, did
2: you know that the rocks' dad was part of the Black Loyalist settlement in Nova Scotia? <gasps> oh wow. my god, I love yeah, that. yeah. I love yeah. it. His dad literally, literally comes from the same place as wow. Anne did. Oh my so God. I, wow. I did know he
1: played Canadian football briefly, but yeah, um, wow. not not a high point of his career. Well, wow. if Wolverine were in this book, it would certainly be a high point of his career, and uh, also Canadian icon. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, extremely Canadian icon. <laughs> really um, important that
2: both of these characters are Canadian and the Rockstar yes. character.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise it, it breaks the canadian broadcasting laws for it's podcasts
2: true. yeah can the crtc will be this. on our asses
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh anywho if wolverine were in this book he of course would simply be passing through town as he is prone to doing and with his keen senses he would smell current wine and be like oh shit i gotta get some of that he would drop in on un- Anne and Diana's tea party, drink all of the current wine. He would be fine. He would save Diana from drunkenness and uh, he would then immediately leave the narrative. Once there was no more wine, there's nothing more for him in Prince Edward Island. So he would leave and uh, Anne would never have had to be parted from her bosom friend Diana for even a, a Fraction of a moment, they never would have had the brief misunderstanding before she could save the baby and be reunited with her kindred spirit, Diana.
4: Hmm. Oh my god!
2: I really love that both of these are essentially episodes of *The Littlest Hobo*, which is another <laughs> important
3: baby in <Canadian> classic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to choose. How do you choose? I mean, I gotta uh, go with the your heart just
2: because just because. His, geographically it's so perfect Yeah, just come over from nova scotia teach in avonlea for a while and then uh, and then head back out to start his wrestling career
3: uh, yeah <laughs> we barely yeah. need to
2: change history
3: <laughs> okay okay i'm 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 convinced i'm convinced all right
1: good game good game
4: yeah <laughs> uh, you
1: know it's, it's a game where everyone wins there's there's no hard feelings in the rock paper snacked Uh, there are sometimes hard feelings in duarte's corner which is where my cat duarte shares his opinions about the book and he's you've heard him he's already been chiming in a little bit Mm -hmm. because he too has a lot to say and uh but here we go duarte yeah I do. I, I do think you're so right that Anne would have loved to have a pet cat, and mm. I think even Marilla oh, would have approved yeah. because a cat could a cat could have caught the mouse and prevented the drowned <sighs> mouse in the pudding scene. Absolutely, yeah, which yes. we didn't talk about, but which isn't unco- also iconic. That was my um, second
2: choice for for a second to read because it's so yeah. good. So,
1: although this book is nearly perfect, I do think you are so right. And imagine the multi-syllable name
3: Anne would have given a cat. Oh my god! Oh, you know it would have been incredible.
2: Yes, it would have been like the whiskered queen of midnight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anne would have invented warrior
2: cats
4: if she (laughs) had a (laughs) cat.
2: Oh my oh. god, rest <laughs> in peace, and surely you would have loved warrior cats. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so yeah, oh. Dorothy, thank you for providing that insight. You're so right. Um but otherwise, I'm I'm glad you still, you know, you you did enjoy all of the uh all the descriptions of food, which, you know, same. So All right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts on this book? And honestly, I'm sure that we do. But like, what is your final closing thought about Anne of Green Gables?
0: Um, Mine is just that I'm glad I'm glad I read this. I'm glad that Hannah and Marcel chose this because I don't know (laughs) when I would have read it otherwise. And it has deeply improved my life to have now read this book. Mm. Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, I also like this book still slaps so hard. Mm-hmm. So hard. Yeah.
1: It slaps as hard as Anne
3: hitting Gilbert with the slate. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, my closing thought is that the, Kel- the Kevin Sullivan miniseries remains a perfect adaptation of this novel. And uh, if you're not going to read the novel, you can just go right ahead and watch that 1985 miniseries adaptation because it is <sighs> phenomenal.
2: Oh, then go watch Road to Haffinley. You're welcome. Oh,
4: Road to Haffinley is so good.
3: <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I haven't rewatched it. <laughs> it probably doesn't hold up is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm So I did not save a ton of childhood books from my parents' house when I moved out. But one that I did was the entire and box set. And I might just go and reread the other seven books now because I... Uh, did, and then you can read the
2: blights are quoted
1: the, yes now that i know that exists i'm gonna f- uh, seek that out mm-hmm. and then i might read the wikipedia page on kitchener and <laughs> see what i can learn about that guy
2: <laughs> oh my god you know what? read up on john john a mcdonald more significant oh
1: okay okay what a dirtbag
2: you know. just a terrible human being
1: yeah. oh my gosh okay um well, if you listening would like to come and tell us your favorite one of Anne's adventures, uh, you can find us Your on... thoughts on
2: Johnny McDonald and his <laughs> political career.
1: Yeah, pl- please educate us. Um, you can do that on... We're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Best spelled normally. We are maybe still on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because... Uh, mrs rachel lind swept the s up off the floor it was untidy and she threw it away and (laughs) now we don't have it there it's typical uh anyway you can find us those places and and chat with us
0: you can find our podcast on apple podcasts google play Spotify, all the podcast places where podcasts live. You know where they are. And if you do find them, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, we will make you sit in front of the classroom with your name spelled incorrectly over your head for misbehaving. (laughs) You can also find us at patreon.com, on patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you provide a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and pay for our web hosting and in exchange there are perks for you like stickers and postcards in the mail and a monthly bonus episode where we talk about what we've been into lately mm-hmm. we also have merch available at worstbestsellers.com where you can click on merch and find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body and finally we do have a Discord server which can also be accessed from worsebestsellers.com, where you can join other listeners of the show in chatting about episodes, books that you've read, how disappointing this season of Riverdale has been or anything else that really crosses your mind. By the
1: time by the time this episode comes out Riverdale finale will have aired. We will be living in a fully post Riverdale world. Much uh, much sorry to for ponder. your loss. <laughs> thank you thank you so sorry um yeah if you want to come talk to me specifically about riverdale only i'm uh i'm at renata snacks
0: and if you want to talk to me i'm at 14 across and these days i'm on instagram and blue sky and oh. hannah and marcel where can people find you and your podcast
2: Oh, man. We make a podcast called Material Girls, which you can find on all of the podcast places. Um, and it is made by our feminist production company, Witch Please Productions, which you can find uh, at ca or on Instagram at please or on TikTok at pod.
4: Wow.
3: Yeah, I think you're right i think we're on
4: threads
2: too (laughs) we're probably on threads too we're definitely on x as well but i refuse to promote it (laughs) we're not we're only on there because we were yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh i am also on instagram at hkp mcgregor if you would like to see like just a lot of pictures of my face. Like, if you're curious about what my face looks like, you can see it so many times on there.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very cute, so you're welcome.
3: Yeah. Um, and- I also have a, uh, I have another podcast that uh, is through Witch Please Productions, which is called Gender Playground. Only the first episode is publicly available at this time, but if you go to... Um, patreon.com slash oh witch please and uh, join our Patreon. You can access the following three episodes, and uh, we are in the process of continuing to develop the podcast. It is about the joys of gender affirming care for kids. Oh, yeah, what a treat. it's the
2: most joyful podcast. We're spo- I'm supposed to be plugging material girls. It's very good. We say smart things about popular culture, but gender playground's <laughs> gonna make you cry
3: in a good way
2: in a good way
1: well thank you both for taking time out of making those podcasts c- to come do this podcast um it was such a treat to talk to you thank you for thank having you us. so
2: much for letting us say canadian things at you for a couple of hours it's
1: one of our, yeah. one of our favorite activities oh my gosh next summer come back we'll do Anne of avonley we'll Ugh. we'll commit eight years to this and get through <laughs> get yep, thrown i okay i
2: will do that for yes. the next day right. i promise
1: yes <laughs> pencil it in um <laughs> meanwhile we as a podcast will be back in two weeks uh we are finally drawing the curtains on our extended flashback summer we're getting into some new shit and it's Crave by tracy wolf so get ready for some vampires
0: it's also yeah. our ninth anniversary
4: yeah, it's oh that. My nice.
1: wow, oh my gosh, ninth! Well, congratulations,
0: anniversary, you two. My gosh, thank you.
4: I We're should, Elder
0: buds, put a pin in ninth. I believe it was last year where we said about three different numbers that we thought it was. It is ninth, right? Yeah, because I really remember eight last year because it took
1: us so long to settle on eight. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just again we've said it before. We'll say it again. Times a flat circle. But we did start doing this podcast in 2014, so draw your own conclusions.
2: Yes, you know what? Perfect. We started our original witch please in 2015, but mm-hmm. um, but then we stopped for a while. So, the anniversary <laughs> <is for fun. laughs>
1: all right. Well, uh, thanks, thanks again, and thanks for listening. And bye, bye,
4: bye. bye. What's your name? (laughs) Duarte wants to say his name.